Yeah, is Broadway's loss the movie theater's gain? It's time for a sing-along. Today, we're talking about the movie musical revival. I'm Britt, he's Chase, and this is The Furious Curious. Theodosia writes me a letter every day. I'm keeping the bed warm while her husband is away. He's on the British side in Georgia. He's trying to keep the colonies in line. Well, he can keep all of Georgia. Theodosia, she's mine. Love doesn't discriminate between the sinners and the saints. It takes and it takes and it takes and we keep loving anyway. We laugh and we cry and we break and we make our mistakes. And if there's a reason I'm by her side, and so many have tried, then I'm willing to wait for it. We are talking about the movie musical revival. That's a mouthful, yeah. So obviously everybody knows what a movie musical is right there's plenty of movie musicals out there there have been some in the past moulin rouge chicago walk the line dream girl sweeney todd we can go on and on les mis uh more recently la la land greatest showman mamma mia i can keep going rent la la one of my favorites the best but, picture winner right some golden globes in there though right so sure. but then but then now more recently right We've oh, got yeah. Steven Spielberg's West Side Story. We've got Lynn Manuel Miranda's Tick Tick Boom. We've got Peter Dinklage. Dinklage? Is that how you say his name? I don't Dinklage. know. He's from Jersey. Who He's knows? from Jersey. Uh, Cyrano. Gosh. Yes, yeah, Cyrano. I think that's how you say it. We've got Annette. We've got Dear Evan Hansen. I'm sorry. You can you can tell I'm swimming in the deep end here. Um, with my floaties on uh, and then in the heights so those are some more recent ones and then we've got obviously the the animated musicals in in canto which my nieces love got uh, universals sing two as well um so just obviously that. what's that i just watched that what'd you think sing two it was uh pretty good my daughter was entranced by it so mm-hmm. <laughs> Did the, really really caught the audience there have you seen Encanto um, you know that's one of those movies that's run and I've been in and out of the room and I just haven't really paid attention so maybe I'm, I'm sure it'll get a, another few viewings so sure I'll catch it at some point it hasn't um, you know talking with my nieces it hasn't it hasn't hit hasn't hit them like Frozen 1 and 2 I mean those those were year long multi-year-long obsessions uh moana they loved that mm-hmm. um i don't think they've seen sing one or two i'm not quite sure and then i started watching kanto i w- like over i think it was christmas like watched half of it before we had to go i thought it was great and i thought it was actually quite interesting the backstory on that was a lot of that animation was having to be made with all the animators working from home and so there was like mm. some behind the scenes of like how they how they framed out their animation movements. Like one of the animators like got a blanket and like pretended it was a dress as a way to like uh, mask or, or to, to to mimic the movement of like the the mothers or the grandmothers like clothing. So kind of interesting stuff. Yeah, I gotta imagine there was a lot less processing power if they're working from home. I oh right yeah how did they do that yeah I know right they don't have the big machines they've got the I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure. Maybe they were all sent those uh, 
Mac towers or something like that. But um, also the trash like, cans. <laughs> the trash cans, which I, I think I need to get because I think I've graduated away from I need more power than uh, I need more power than than the MacBook is offering. Yeah, I've found fatigue in the latency. Latency creates fatigue, and it oh, hurts my real brain. Technical here. Yeah, sorry. That hurt um, my brain. Hit, <laughs> hit movies also uh, have likewise turned into musicals. So we've we've actually also seen as a quick footnote the other direction, like yeah. Beetlejuice, like Mean Girls, mm. Shrek, Bring It On, School of Rock. Legally Blonde, Hairspray, The Adams Family, and I'm sure there's more. So that's that's really interesting. So obviously, like we've seen the ups and downs of this. Like we were saying, Chicago. There was many in the past, um, in the the early to mid century. I mean, we can go back farther than that. You and I, before we pressed record, uh, we were talking about Singing in the Rain. The 30s to 50s mm-hmm. seemed to be that first kind of golden age, right? Yeah, uh, there's a lot of great musicals. I, I remember watching them when I was in some early film class and. Sing the Rain really stuck out to me as a as a as a great one. Um, what was I just gonna say? I was gonna say Mary Poppins. Ooh, yeah, I just watched that recently. Actually, the uh, original mm-hmm. horrible, horrible British accent from uh, Mr. Dickman. Like, <laughs> Sound of Music. Yeah, that one's a classic. Yeah, I gotta go back. Julie to Andrews. Those. Julie Andrews was a she was a real talent. I feel like she didn't age for decades. She's still alive and well. I'm seeing. Wow. Good for her. Spinach and avocados and scotch. No, I'm just kidding. I don't, I don't um, know that one. <laughs> so, you know, I hit a couple of these new and upcoming releases. What were some of these other ones you got here? Let's see here. You know, I just scoured the um, internet to find these. Found them in a couple different articles. So, sneak, yeah, yeah. Sneakerella just came out. That was uh, John Sally's daughter, I believe. John Sally, a former NBA player. Mm. Part of the, um, was he part of the Bad Boy Pistons in Detroit? Am I I remember that correctly? Where they like wouldn't shake the hands at the end and all that stuff? Yeah, beating up Michael Jordan. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Maybe. Yeah, yeah, but John Sally's daughter was a part of that. I think he Uh, helped produce that. Um, Neptune Frost, I don't really know much about, but I think Lin-Manuel Miranda, who we'll get into later, had something to do with that. Um, Better Nate Than Ever, great title. And (laughs) Aline have all come out recently. Then upcoming later this year, you've got Spellbound, Scrooge, A Christmas Carol, mm. which uh, I'm hoping will feature some uh, Bill Murray. He's a he's definitely a Scrooge. <laughs> he did that a very Murray Christmas. Do you remember that a couple years ago? Yeah, a lot of people love that. I the little Netflix f- feature. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. Um, yeah, he, he would make a good Scrooge because he's he's actually a Scrooge. <laughs> Doesn't even have a cell phone. Um, that's funny. That's so bummer. He did not have a cell phone. <laughs> He's got like an answering machine that people like leave messages on. Oh, Pinocchio. Yeah, Pinocchio. Um, I think that's Tom Hanks is in that. And then um, Roald Dahl's Matilda the Musical. Oh, how about that? He's had that? a little bit of a revival lately. You know, The Witches came out with uh, Anne Hathaway a few years back. Oh, yeah, Roald Dahl. Yeah. Wow, so more more to come. Also, the inspiration for James James Bond, Roald Dahl, is, is real life. Mm. You didn't know that? Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, he uh, I, he was, I think he wrote a lot of the early scripts, or at least helped contribute to the, a lot of the early James Bond scripts. Because mm. um, he was uh, he was actually like uh, in the war. Um, oh. And I, and I think he served in the Secret Service over, or whatever they call it over the there. Royal Navy. 
but he had some insight into the life of a spy anyway so Hmm. which by the way since mgm was purchased by amazon uh if you have amazon prime you can enjoy the canon the majority of the canon i believe of james bond we're not sponsored by amazon we're not sponsored by Amazon or MGM. Okay, yet. so yet, yeah, we're working on it. They're negotiating right now. Let's move to these reasons why we think why this is, why there's a revival, another revival. Obviously there's been other kind of bumps and peaks and valleys along the way, but we're, we seem to be moving towards another one, uh, another peak perhaps. And so the first one, reason number one, is Broadway was shut down. Now that's tragic because of COVID. Completely mm-hmm. uh, in in person live Broadway musicals, live musicals were off. Nobody could go see them. So this so happens that when Broadway was shut down for a year, musicals <laughs> in a burst of song and glee, you could say, uh, topple over uh, into the movie theaters. So movie right. theaters served that 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 need that appetite for musicals where. Broadway, perhaps, and maybe even theaters in general across the country, across the world, weren't able to serve that. So I would consider that reason number one. Yeah, it was a real crying shame yeah. that they had to shut that stuff down. And I'm not even sure to what respect it's back today. Mm-hmm. But um, I'm glad that at least some of them were able to find a way to channel their talents into something that made them a little money. Yeah. Two, some um, writers have called the Hamilton effect. This was suggested by Stephen Levinson. Um, He was interviewed by, I think, the LA Times about this. He said, you can't under, quote, you can't underestimate how much that musical revolutionized everything. We're talking about Hamilton, the musical. He made the most amazing thing anyone could have made, but Hamilton is also very traditional. He just made it fresh and relevant. So, Hamilton exploded onto the scene, this pre-COVID. I mean, it was hard to get tickets. You remember this? Like it was a lottery yeah. system. Do you remember all this? The strategy oh, yeah. the strategy was so in- interesting. And then when they finally moved it, you know, they kind of broadened it and, and made it more uh, of a franchise and a tour. That was cool. And then obviously Disney Plus picked it up, bought the rights to it, and you can you can watch it on Disney Plus. We're not sponsored by Disney Plus, but I understand it's on Disney Plus. And yep. back to my nieces, they love that. Wait for it. Wait for it. I mean, they just they they just can't get enough of this. I still haven't seen it. That embarrassingly enough. Yeah. Um, I kind of wanted to see it live, but before I saw it there but so we're calling that the hamilton effect i think hamilton brought my opinion here hamilton brought kind of the the excitement and vitality sure freshness of of a musical to the public you know to the public platform i think people really became more interested in musicals again where maybe perhaps there's a season of time where they were tired or to um, being remade or just not that interesting or whatever. That one just kind of like blew a hole in the whole thing and created a path for, for some others. So, well, I mean, it, it brought a whole other audience into the fold right. of, the, of the musicals. You know, it's, I don't yeah. know how many hip hop uh, musicals there were before Hamilton, but certainly none of them were as popular as this one was, you know, this is like a, very classic American history story, but through the lens of, of hip hop. And it's so cool. It, it created a bunch of stars too. Like there, right. you know, there's Naveed Diggs is, you know, getting all these movies and TV shows just 
pretty much based on his tour through Hamilton. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, of course, the main star, the guy who created it was Mm Lin-Manuel. And his name pops up all over the place when you start talking about recent musicals. Yeah, what's he doing now? Swimming in a swimming pool full of $100 bills. I don't know. I'm sure he's got another project going, but it's hard to replicate something that astronomic yeah who knows right but yeah i mean he's got these movies out you know he directed his first movie tick tick boom um and then his first right right. his first kind of musical that really kind of you know he didn't come from nowhere right so like Mm -hmm. hamilton was was obviously his big hit but he had he had made a splash before that um particularly with uh in the heights which of course got made into a movie ah yes saw that that was part of that yeah, it was, it was his creation. Um, what did you think? I liked it a lot. I mean, he, I, I, I don't know this for absolute fact, but I'm pretty sure he did grow up in um, in the Heights, as they refer to it, um, or at least he has a lot of familiarity with it. Um, was but that New York, yeah, it's a uh, it's uh, Washington Heights, which is a mm-hmm. neighborhood, the most northernmost tip of Harlem. You can tell that it was done by the mind of someone who has a lot of experience in musicals um, mm. and there's some great performances in it and and it was all filmed during during like the the height of the pandemic so hmm. it's pretty crazy to see this production with all of these people moving in the background and they must have just been rolling out covid tests like crazy oh i'm, I'm sure it was a mess so I, I think that has to be considered when you watch it, that it was filmed during COVID because probably wasn't the most ideal way to shoot a film. I think what resulted, what he got was like highly entertaining and it was uh, it was good. And I'm glad that he put that out there on HBO Max, not sponsored by HBO Max, by the way. So, uh, reason number three, and this was pulled from, I think, MovieWeb or LA mm-hmm. Times, which I thought was interesting. It's probably pretty obvious after I say it. Music provides a deeper explanation of a character's journey. So, you know, songs and movies often connect with an audience because they have these mem- these relatable messages, memorable vocal hooks, catchy musical accompaniment. Many times the songs and the lyrics, which are part of the theatrical stories, become hits in their own right. I remember, well, Hamilton, that was an amazing soundtrack. I loved back in the mid-aughts with Rent's soundtrack. I loved mm-hmm. that. I mean, it was very like kind of Gin Blossoms 90s meets like um, musical, but I love the mashup. I love the mash of it. it. It felt very like rock and roll, but like 90s rock, but like, yeah, I just liked it. It was, it was cool. I remember actually my band yeah. at the time was on tour. We actually covered uh, Out Tonight, uh, from mm. what I remember, which I love, um, which is an anthem, anthem to the nightlife. Yeah, songs are a popular device to to tell the story of a film. Music can help 
drive a plot forward, um, develop personalities, express innermost wishes uh, for a protagonist or antagonist. So without having to explain themselves in dialogue, I felt that that was kind of an interesting insight for that. So uh, obviously, like people love music. Soundtracks, great, sure. Like sometimes yeah. soundtracks take off, but but so much like musical soundtracks are so interconnected that it's almost its own if you think about it it's like it's going to top it's going to be on Spotify playlists as much as right. it's going to be in your movie queue and there's something interesting about that yeah I mean if you take this this phrase at its face value music provides a deeper explanation of a character's journey like when you think about yeah. the great Julie Andrews and think about the sound of music like right that's just that's just a, a, a an au pair, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> How many yeah. people are gonna care about that story? But as soon as you put those like beautiful songs in her mouth, like people, are, oh, oh, okay, she's uh, really making a difference. Of sugar makes the medicine <laughs> go down. Medicine, right? Yeah. Um, so, um, not to disparage female, any dear. yeah any caretakers out there in the world. Sorry, I, I am one myself, but. Um, you know, it's just not, I'm afraid it just doesn't make for a compelling story. It's not on its face. So you put put that character in a musical and all of a sudden it's all the more interesting. Yeah, dimensionalizes it, if that's a word. I could see that. I like that. I think that adds, I don't know, that add, that add, that's value add to a story is I think mm-hmm. what we're getting at. So four also musicals offer a different connection with the viewer so this was this was this was another um this was another reason that we pulled and i'll quote it music can be a a forefront of a movie scene to provide a subtle background effect it can build or dissipate create a vibe or set an expectation sometimes all without the use of words it's interchangeable music can give clues if something is scary or dramatic is about to happen portray the mood of a character uh, and it can cross all movie genres so, I mean, I could go on and on and on. Music can make us nostalgic. It can change the mood. It can help us connect with our emotions. I think there's something really interesting about the use of, you know, music, musicals in general, whether it's with music or without music, whether it's in, even in dialogue, just seems to be in general gives that permission to kind of have more acute, punctuated emotions you know i mean maybe that's the hangover from the theater right like when you're in the theater i remember i watched boys in the band it was uh, i was on i was on a tv shoot in in uh, new york city and we got to have we just we had to go to new york city because jim parsons was was there and he's he was in the ads that we were in he played sheldon on um on Big Bang Theory, we had to go there, but as a, as a generous offer, we also got to see him on Broadway when he was doing that. And a lot of, as you know, a lot of actors to to kind of brush up on their chops will will do theater. But when you go there, you have to really telegraph more intensely your emotions because you're viewing it from far away, right? You're yelling. Your dialogue can be needs to be a little bit louder. You, everything needs to be a little bit more sharpened and amplified. And I think what's cool about musicals is that that permission to be a little bit extra with it that translates into the you know that you don't lose a lot of that in the movies. And so you get this idea of like you, you can really emote and kind of amplify emotions if that makes any sense. Yeah, I also think yeah. it, it functions well as a device to cover like pretty depressing stories uh, in like sure. almost like a lighthearted way. Sure. Um, I don't 
Um, I'm just sort of trying to catch up real quick on the on the backstory of, or remind myself on the backstory of Feather on the Roof, but I believe that was about a pretty dark time in Russian history, Imperial Russian history. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it's got these boisterous songs in it. So it's like, this is really fun. This is really fun to watch in a way. And then, of course, rants about, you know, a very depressing topic too. And that has all these like catchy songs. And I think about some other stuff I've seen. I don't know if you like an actual musical I saw in the theater was come from away. And that's about, uh, some, uh, some of the aftermath of nine 11. Um, mm. and, and, uh, you just walk away feeling really good about humanity when you, when you, when you watch that, but, but the, the root of the story is about a very tragic day in world's history. Um, and then a, a movie that's not a musical, but I feel like has a lot of musical qualities behind it is that, uh, Italian movie life is beautiful where, where it's, oh, you know, yeah. about a, it's about a dad, like kind of, making um this experience in the holocaust like better for his kid Um, right and i know it's not a musical but it's got a lot of musical elements to it you know it's definitely like a very dark story but it's got this real bright spot in it that like kind of leaves you with that warm feeling i love that that's a great insight dude because it, it, it allows you to really explore dark topics with without dragging people down right you yeah can exactly. juxtapose it with this great music with like bright music and <laughs> there was a lyric in a song i think it's from the bare naked ladies the band and it, i just loved it i think it's i don't know what it's on it's just popping in my mind the, the song's called i think lovers in a dangerous time okay it's kind of a folk song but there's a line in there that says you got to kick at the darkness till it bleeds daylight and i was just like i love that and i feel like Mm. i feel like sometimes musicals are about that it's it's punching it's punching at the darkness it's singing joy at the darkness i mean especially in rent i mean if you think about the themes in rent like you were alluded to poverty dying of aids what i like about the movie and i've seen that i've seen the in theater I've seen yeah. the, the, the I've seen the tour with the actual characters from the original in the, in the 1996. Mm-hmm. I think it was 96 or 97. Not all of them were in there, but there were two. But what I liked about it is it it does explore those themes without having to draw attention to the specifics of those things. So, yes, there's heroin use in it. Yes, there's HIV. Yes, there's partners dying of, of AIDS. You know, granted, this was in the late 80s. You got to think of the context. Like the late 80s in New York right. was a tough spot. In fact, actually, the New Year's the New Year's that they celebrate, which is New Year's 1989 in the movie, I was actually celebrating New Year's in New York City that that year. But that year, that that particular late 80s. Gosh, um, how old are you? Just kidding. I'm super old. No, I used to go there <laughs> as a kid. I used to go because my aunt my aunt lived there. She was a um, she worked in advertising. Oh, we nice. go there sometimes and sometimes we go for Christmas or the summer or whatever. And I remember just like how, you know, New York in the late eighties was, was a tough, tough, yeah. tough time. Times Square was squalor, basically. I won't well, say anything more than you. that. But so you, 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 you situate <laughs> PG, PG podcast. Yeah. You sit, you situate that poverty plus New York city at that time that people were getting fed up with. Everybody was, uh, with this growing health crisis of AIDS and the beautiful songs that are sung in that um, I think it's just it's just an incredible story people criticize the adaptation the movie adaptation f- fine whatever I 
I try to think about the things that are good about it versus just sitting there as a critic. I, I just find that like self-elevating and I don't need to do that. And people who do that, in my opinion, are kind of self-elevating. They're just sitting there like, well, yeah, okay, well then go make, go make a better one, dude. That's cool. <laughs> you know, or person, you know, like go make, right. go make a good one. So anyway, I thought that was great, but it, it gets back to your point that I think a really beautiful theme about musicals is that it can explore some very difficult, whether it's Holocaust, whether it's the dark days of Russia, right? the Soviet Union, whether it's AIDS, HIV, poverty, it can explore these themes in a very like beautiful bright way and it, it brings it brings like it punches at the darkness with joy and i think that's cool and i think that's a really mm. powerful human humans are attracted to that because we all we all understand difficulty we all understand challenges but we also like music is a antidote to that so i just yeah i find that a really insightful thing so thanks for sharing that i uh and now i kind of want to go see rent i haven't i've never actually even seen that oh man it's it's great dude i i think they did a great job people ragged it you know it's like 2005 i think people ragged on it i thought it was done really really well i mean it, some of it's a little ham-fisted but i think it worked i mean granted you got to think about at that time I mean, that's hard to adapt, in my opinion, to, to turn yeah, that into... Uh, any musical is. Yeah, it's not easy, you know? And it, I think there's varying results of that. So, and not all automatically adapt themselves well to that. I haven't seen Chicago. I need to see Chicago. Chicago's great. Would you consider that a noir? Ooh, maybe. I mean, definitely with, a, with the lighting scheme, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Reason number five. They're cheaper to make. It's all about yeah. the money, Chase. It's all about the money. <laughs> it's all about that money. So, contrast. You were just you were looking at budgets right before we pressed mm -hmm. record, right? We were saying that okay, a Marvel movie. What was the recent one? Doctor Strange. Two. Yeah, that was about a two hundred million dollar budget. Two hundred million, dude. And then okay, so that maybe performs oh pretty good. We you know hy hyperlinking to our first episode of this film series, the expanding universe of comic films. That's hard. To, that's a lot of money to recoup, especially in a world where people aren't going to the theater as much. However, yeah. however. What was West Side's, <laughs> what West Side Story or something was 50, in the Heights was fifty million. Yeah, fifty-five million. Uh, I think both the uh, Lin Manuel uh, musicals that came out, live-action musicals rather, that came out recently were uh, yeah. around fifty million dollars. That's cheaper. Tick Tick Boom and uh, In the Heights. Cheaper to make, perhaps. Well, definitely cheaper to make, which yeah. means your risk. They don't need to blockbust to actually make a to make a margin. Um, so there seems to be an economic sense to that. So that makes sense. And then yeah. number six, you had this one. The superhero genre has really dominated cinema for the last however many years. And uh, people are starting to get tired of it. I mean, one of the most yeah. popular shows out there is is really making fun of the genre called The Boys. Um, right. So, uh, uh, you know. People are just looking for a way out. And I think the rise of musicals isn't necessarily the only answer, but it is an answer. To me, the they're just getting... I haven't even seen most of them, and I'm getting tired of them. <laughs> I'm just even getting tired of the trailers. I, I think the problem is, and I've said this in other episodes, like there's so many that 
it's kind of not only hard to keep track, but then they don't feel special anymore to me. They don't yeah. feel like when there's too many of something, this is just like the law of economics. When there's too many of the same thing or of, of a thing, that thing is not as valuable anymore. And so I think like right. that has applied to the, the Marvel and the DC universe. Now I think there are, are exceptions to that. I think, For sure. DC, I think the Batman was a standout, incredible, pretty good movie, a little long, but they, 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 they could be long because there was nothing else in the theater. Did you yeah. see it? For me personally, it's just a symptom of that superhero fatigue. I'm like, I love the Chris Nolan Batmans, all the Christian Bale stuff. Why do we need this one? Because it's like, right. you know, Pattinson did a great job and all, and that's what everyone else loved Jeffrey Wright. Um, but it's, you know, it's it's like, couldn't you guys do something different? <laughs> well, to me, it was different enough. Like, it was different from the CG bombastic yeah. bombast of, of the Marvel for sure expanding Marvel Universe, the Ragnarok, the Thor, you know, oh, the justice league all that so i i found how refreshing it was that how realistic it was and how dark it was and how again a noir it was the my only critique of this and my opinion really doesn't matter all that much but i i think matt reeves didn't keep it contained i you almost see Hmm. he was he, he said he had complete creative freedom but you can almost see this get too it gets bit it gets like it gets like christopher nolan-esque again like towards the end yeah and i I don't want to give away anything more detailed than that but it's like it's almost like the executives came in and said well it needs to have this and it, it there's just it's almost like they stuck their finger in it like towards the end where it like it needed something it was like it's dark 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 and then it's got this section that's just kind of plopped in there that's like feels more like it's like bigger and it's like mm-hmm. i don't know like it, it felt that part felt disconnected to me i would have loved to just have kept it you know that kind of comic motif that dark comic motif and they and they they didn't stick to it um i wish they would have so we'll see we'll see where things go from there but they may do more with with pattinson and and reeves i don't know if he's contracted to to do more but um i tried to get through recently batman returns i don't know if you've seen that oh the the keaton yeah Yeah. the second keaton one the second tim burton one it's it's too um it's too tim burton it's too tim burton like i get tim burton has a style I get that. I love that. I love Beetlejuice. Yeah. I love the original Batman. He, I think he had too much creative freedom and it was just, it became, it was a Tim Burton film that happened to be a Batman thing. And it's just, it's just, it's too caricatured oh. to me. Um, yeah. I love, I love the idea of the Batman in the Batman. These, these characters are like disgustingly dirtily real. Yeah. They really right? made the penguin discussing in that like uh, Batman Returns, I remember. Like he's a mob boss. Like that's yeah. the penguin I want to see. Or yeah. or um the Riddler, not like in the nineteen ninety five Batman Forever. It's just like that's just too overdone. It just doesn't feel I like the real ones. And I said this I said that on the on the original film yeah. uh the, our episode one of this is like I like the real ones. I like when you really get you make these superheroes or these heroes real i love yeah. that i love that kind of thing so anyway superhero fatigue for sure so just to recap broadway was shut down 
That's number one. Two, the Hamilton effect, or as you said, uh, Lin-Manuelism. <laughs> uh, three, music provides a deeper explanation of a character's journey. Four, musicals offer a different emotional connection with the viewer. I would argue even to say a deeper connection with yeah, the viewer. For sure. Cheaper to make, sounds like, if we look at the numbers. And then, of course, couched in all the Marvel and DC fanfare, maybe we're having some superhero fatigue, a nice kind of analog musical where real people are dancing and there's no CG. Sounds great. Sounds refreshing. Cleanses the mm -hmm. palate. So that's our superhero fatigue for six. So those are the reasons why we think we are seeing a, the movie musical revival happening again. So any final thoughts, sir? Well, no CG and musicals outside of Mary Poppins. That's true. Right. <laughs> Outside of Mary Poppins, there's probably some more somewhere. Yeah. In there. But yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's definitely more. Just, this is the <laughs> first one I think of. <laughs> All right, sir. Well, uh, you are listening to the Furious Curious podcast hosted and produced by me, Britton Rice, and Chase Domerg here with me, along with Jody Duncan, Nicole Lazar, and Ben Santoriello. Coming up, just to mention, uh, our two-part conversation with author, psychologist, and professor Sam Gosling about possessions and identity, unpacking the relationship between our stuff and our personal identities. We'll also discuss his book, Snoop, What Our Stuff Says About Us, or What Your Stuff Says About You, including a book, giveaway uh it's a super interesting conversation we already recorded it you will not want to miss that make sure you follow us on instagram we are at the underscore furious underscore curious and subscribe to us the furious curious podcast on your favorite platform we welcome your comments your trollings and yeah your feedback right yep <laughs> until next time stay curious thanks jace Wait.